Welcome to another episode of the All That Podcast. It's been a while. Um, thank you guys for being patient with me and, and, you know, still riding with me after I take my little sabbaticals. <laughs> um, we are back um, with, a, with a story that is quite unfortunate, if I must say so myself, but a story that needs to be out and needs to be heard. Um, so I'm here with um, Dominique Champion and... Doing? Also, I'm here with Benjamin Risk, who is running for president at the University of Houston. Um, so the reason we're here is because Dominique was in an unfortunate situation, and this story has been in the Houston Chronicle. It has been on NBC News. It has been on a Texas Tribune. It's been on media, many different um, media outlets. Um, so... I guess, you know, I could lead it in, but it what better way for us to hear the story than from the person that it happened to. So if you can just, you know, tell us what happened. What happened? What what got us here this day? Well, what got us here was <sighs> a long history of neglect, it would seem. Mm -hmm. But for this particular day, it was the fact that our buildings, uh, air conditioning, has been faulty for a good while, the uh, theater building at the University of Houston. And due to that, as well as inadequate amount of rehearsal space in that building, mm -hmm. and to, to paint the picture even further, I have been on and off on, on that campus since 2010 as an undergraduate and now as a finishing uh, graduate student. Mm -hmm. So the outside areas that surround the uh, theater building adjacent to the Moore School of Music, that tends to be areas where we have long been able to freely rehearse and prepare and create, mm -hmm. uh, regardless of the fact it was an open space. And of course, in that particular day, it was beautiful. So why not move outside when it's frigid on the inside? Right. Um, we were rehearsing a scene of choreographed violence. And I emphasize choreographed because in a professional setting, uh, you want to make sure that the violence that you are choreographing is safe and repeatable across a eight-show work week, say on Broadway or in a regional theater. Mm -hmm. And while we were at the peak of making sure that we were um, solidifying certain moves and sets, that was when, I dis when uh, the officer appeared. And because of the um, vis visual of the loading dock, I was able to clock him from the waist up so I recognized that the blue and black and the sunglasses and the helmet, I was like, okay, this is a police officer. And then again, this is sh very few seconds, and especially to an actor, seconds is a very long time. Mm -hmm. So I have already had an officer called on me once while out in the open with a prop uh, piece of weaponry. Mm -hmm. um, and, a, and the police officer did appear but the first thing this officer did was ask the question, what is going on? This particular day, November the 4th, this officer, once I saw his upper body, I was ready to um, see what was going on, but I clocked the weapon already out as soon as I saw his entire body and his um, physical person angling towards me, which is something that we also learn as mm -hmm. professional actors in this particular training program. 
knowing that that intention was for me, seriously, within milliseconds, it felt like generations of instinct said, drop to your knees and save yourself. Mm -hmm. And the word to best describe it from um, <laughs> one psychologist and from uh, other community leaders is humiliation. Mm -hmm. To give up all of your power, all of yourself, within that short amount of time, mm -hmm. it changes you. I dropped to my knees yelling, we're rehearsing, we're rehearsing, we're rehearsing at the sight of a weapon already brandished for my person. Mm. I was able to look over my shoulder. I've, well, I had my eyes closed as soon as I got to my knees because I didn't know what was gonna happen next. Mm -hmm. I was able to look over my shoulder and see my uh, scene partner able to, um, Forgive me. Take your time. She was in understandable um, an emotional stupor mm -hmm. because she just watched her friend almost become a hashtag and also understanding where her privilege stands. Meanwhile, I am seemingly frozen in this position because I could easily, you know, say, say the wrong thing. I could, mm -hmm. some, like, or it could be perceived as the wrong thing. So I'm making sure that I am moving as little as possible and only speaking speaking when I'm spoken to. Mm -hmm. This officer approaches me. He, uh, as he's approaching me, he does say into his um, um, walkie-talkie mm -hmm. that they are rehearsing, it appears to be a rehearsal, and then proceeded to try and uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, quell the situation mm -hmm. because both of us are clearly rattled beyond reason. Right. To which he responded, I, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you understand why we did that, why the gun was already out. And of course, mm -hmm. my mouth said, yes, sir, because I was taught mm -hmm. by my black parents, get home, yeah. get home. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the entirety of my insides were screaming, why was the gun already out? And that's always the question that I've been, uh, even as I'm trembling, retelling this tale again. Mm -hmm. um, why was the gun already brandished? To which we have heard a myriad of responses from the police, from mm -hmm. the police chief, from uh, administration uh, of the College of the Arts, mm -hmm. A lot of good intentions, but the ball was dropped multiple times in multiple ways. And, the and aside from the fact that this was in November, mm -hmm. there was a understanding, I will presume, that word would just go around, that this would be just sort of swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. My life basically blew up a couple weeks ago because the graduates received uh, what's, what's now being known as the um, bright green construction vests, mm -hmm. um, which I'm now being told was a suggestion of a certain police captain on the UHPD. Mm -hmm. I cackled at the sight of it. My own professor handed it to me in a silent rage because even he knew that this was not the move, mm -hmm. but he had a job to do and I took it never mm -hmm. intending to actually wear it because the last thing I need is an actual bright colored target on my <laughs> literal back. Yeah. Also, what vest? That vest is not bulletproof, <laughs> all right? Yeah. Um, so their, but, their mm -hmm. reasoning 
uh, behind it was that I'm asking was that um, that okay if you wear these vests then, then the they will officers know will know that it's it's okay. Also, I want you to do this for us too. Um, can you? T I know you said it's choreographed um, violence. Mm -hmm. Can you take us through exactly what you were doing in the scene um, that day? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So we it was so it's unarmed. The only thing in both mm -hmm. of our hands were um, our scripts. Okay. Again, I can't stress this enough. Yeah. White pieces of rectangular paper mm -hmm. were the only thing in our hands. Um, but because of what our character's relationship was, I was uh, a distraught brother trying to calm down a, a um, mentally, now mentally disabled because um, mm -hmm. her character, my sister, was uh, beaten by her previous lover. So navigating the fact that she doesn't trust me, she can't quite make out who me, mm -hmm. her brother, is in that scene, and her getting violent towards me, I'm having to defend myself. So how do we safely make this look like from a distance, you know, to the back of the house? Yeah. How do we make it look like this is me trying to calm her down while she's fighting me off? Mm -hmm. the, scre the screams were supposed to you know paint the picture that much more vividly right and because of the positioning of the positioning of our arms we knew mm -hmm. that if anything that gets too low below the waist it doesn't look um um believable mm -hmm. on in a stage uh, uh, or a film setting so we knew that if we were going to make this a, um, a riveting scene, we need to keep our hands above our waist and make them visible. Otherwise, if, if you can't see it, you're not getting what you paid for. Right. Yes. Okay. So you, when did you hear the police? Did you hear the police call at all? No. No. The police call, the first time, I, I sorry, let me re rephrase that. The mm. first time I heard the actual police call was on Fox 26 News. Mm. You know, was it a day or two after the uh, town hall that was uh, mm. at the University of Houston School of Theater and Dance? That's the first time I heard right. anything about that um, mm -hmm. <laughs> recording. Right. And this was after the town hall where the police chief presumed, again, because of a faulty line of communication on multiple fronts, mm -hmm. that I thought you, he's like, I thought you did hear the uh, tape. I was like, sir, the prime reason I was there today mm -hmm. was because I was trying to get more information because there are so many plot holes in the story that I don't know, and this happened to me, and this happened to my scene partner, and we're living in the thick of the mystery here. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'm trying to navigate this while risking, not even risking, going through constant re-traumatization. Mm -hmm. So the person who called described it as a black male Mm -hmm. on a white woman, right? Was that correct? That was the uh, initial report that was mm -hmm. going out until the police, I'm sorry, until, until the um, s the transcript of the uh, phone call finally went out to the public, and it right. specified that it was a black man on mm -hmm. a woman. And it was woman. emphasis on the black part. Right. So you feel like... You know, I'm pretty sure some people feeling are listening to this are going to be like, oh, you know, the race card or whatever. But do you feel like if that person would have called and would have said a white male on a female, do you think gun the gun would have been drawn as soon as they got to the scene if that was the case? Friend, we live in a country where they took a serial killer into the cop car and got him a Big Mac. Of course it would have happened differently. Right. Of course it would have happened differently. Right. 
I specifically asked the chief of police, has he ever seen a white colored pistol? To which he gave a brilliant response, which kind of nerded me out, but it was very much titular to the point that mm -hmm. the last time I saw, I've never seen a firearm in the shape of a white rectangle. Your script. Mm-hmm. Right. A single piece of paper. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that many words because the focus was the physical aspect of that scene. Right. So do you guys have a space inside your building to rehearse? We have. Or you have to go outside? We have two theaters, which okay. were being worked on um, for two uh, different shows. Mm -hmm. We have a lobby. We have a studio space that's also tends to be used for um, season shows mm -hmm. and for uh, some rehearsing. There's also another uh, classroom downstairs. Aside from that, you are in a hallway, you are in a lobby, you are on the patio, you are in the street, you are across uh, the way on the, uh, the newly built stage in the courtyard. Mm -hmm. The way rehearsals tend to work regarding that building is found space. Okay. Which is now, be, which is for a while become a point of conversation between the School of Theater and Dance and the University of Houston administration. Mm -hmm. And to my knowledge, it nearly happened shortly after my uh, achievement of my undergraduate degree, mm -hmm. which made me, you know, I remember it because I remember being jealous about the fact that, oh, after I leave, then they get all the cool renovations. Right. Mm -hmm. And I keep visiting and the building doesn't expand. I see maybe some new artwork inside the building trickle in. I see mm -hmm. new TVs, but I'm looking across the way at these newly renovated buildings. I'm looking across the way at the Moore School of Music, and this is not to you know bash these other buildings and their opportunities and their resources. Mm -hmm. I'm simply wondering where was and is ours. Yeah. We have titular artists that come out of that program, that have come out of that program. Mm -hmm. I'm talking Jacarius Johnson. I'm talking Dennis Quaid. I'm talking Brett Cullen. Mm -hmm. I'm talking Jim Parsons. I'm talking people that are currently on Broadway from that program right now. Yeah. So why is the investment lacking in a building where, think about it in the pandemic, what, when you couldn't go anywhere when you were locked up in your houses with your loved ones, you turned to art. You turned on streaming services. You turned on video games. You created art. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm biased in the regard of why is there not more investment at the training level for people that want to, people that aspire to be that for other people in these events of these dark times where they need that escape, where they need to be reached out and to feel human again. And that, and just to add the insult to injury, I felt like my humanity was called into question, robbed of me, mm -hmm. and like P PTSD one real deal because I was doing exactly what I was supposed to be doing, what I have long known that I was supposed to be doing. And I cannot stress this enough either, survivor's guilt is real. Mm -hmm. Because while all this was going on that particular week when it finally came out, mm -hmm. Tyree Nichols, man, so the question that keeps coming up to my mind is, why me and not Tyree? Why do I get to live and tell my story, but, mm -hmm. this, but this fellow artist who saw the world in a brilliant way, I still have his page on my phone. I scroll through his photography, brilliant photography of Memphis, mm -hmm. wondering why couldn't that be everywhere? 
So if you had to place a chunk of the blame on on a certain institution or whatever, would it be the school or would it be the police? Because from my understanding, you don't you understand that the police were responding to a perceived threat. Mm-hmm. But your issue with that is is the is the gun already being drawn. Mm-hmm. Am I correct on that? Yes. Okay. So if you were to place a majority blame, would would it, would it go to the school and them failing to protect you, um, or the police? My particular, the word blame is a mm-hmm. a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a that's a much better word for yeah. me and my spirit mm-hmm. because blame means I'm coming after you. Yeah. And I don't have the energy for that, friend. Mm-hmm. I don't. Responsibility? Absolutely. Because what I keep repeating, there's been so much drop in the balls of communication because I don't need to blame anybody because that's what the administration has been doing. Yeah. They've been saying, oh, this wasn't my department. That was yours. Oh, that wasn't your, that wasn't my responsibility. It's yours. I'm mm-hmm. like, can all of you actually have a conversation <laughs> and come to me because this happened to me and to my friend? Right. And now it's affecting Black students and students of color within that building and now within the College of Arts, can y'all come together and actually help mm-hmm. as opposed to CYA covering your at sign, double dollar signs, please? Right. So I am of the mind that it's the U in UHPD, it's the U in UH, it's the university. Mm-hmm. Because I am of the mind that there should have been much swifter communication to the student body because this because the fact that it happened to me mm-hmm. the students needed to know that it's even possible that it could happen to them and i feel that if they at least owned that mm-hmm. then there could actually be necessary change and there would probably be much more respect and less fear of the people that they're trying to learn from right and it breaks my heart personally mm-hmm. because i love that campus like I've been going there since high school doing speech and debate tournaments mm-hmm. and getting honors, um, uh, National Honor Society, um, community service hours from there. Got my degree there, did SGA myself, was a senator for two and a half administrations, participated in the Honors College. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I still came back to finish my master's degree, like I've got blood in the game here. So yes, personally, yes, I have been, not I don't feel, not I feel like, I've been let down, neglected, abandoned. I refuse at this point to speak on behalf of the police because (laughs) the police... Police accountability is going to have to come from the outside in, it seems like. Mm -hmm. But with administration, with the University of Houston, with the University of Houston School of Theater and Dance, that is change that can and is very possible to, uh, that's change that I believe is possible from within. Right. So before I let Ben get in, um, I want to ask you, so you did want to clear up because uh, your mother was misquoted, correct? Oh my God, so, rage! <laughs> Forgive me. Yeah, clear that up for the for the public. Twice, mm-hmm. twice they said this. The chief police said 
that my that my mother agreed with procedure. Mm-hmm. Clarified with her the first time. She's the ex police officer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. Mm-hmm. So again, black woman cop like three things that mm-hmm. al- already make her say I have got to do the utmost to make sure that no one's coming after me and mine. Right. My mother did not agree because for the simple fact that I am her black son. Mm. She's a sensible woman and goes, yeah, I can understand like the procedure, but even with that procedure, there are more than one way to go about that better without giving a child that could, that easily could not have been hers, mental trauma, emotional trauma. There are ways that everyone in that situation could have gone away from that better than when they left it. Mm-hmm. And this is what I'm hearing from multiple um, forces, m- multiple sources on the force, mm-hmm. or with experience on the force. And the fact that the dean doubled down and put that in the statement to the student body, that is when I honestly mm-hmm. lost respect for the man mm-hmm. because I did trust him and he was doing the initial steps to try, albeit late as I'll get out. Mm-hmm. He did put in effort, but you don't come from my mother and misquote her. Right. You don't, dang. Mm, because that's that's language. a way to, uh, in a way, um, absolve. Exactly. You know the officer of his actions because he's like, oh look, even his mother said it's not that big of a and deal. And because and they thought or, they, because she was a police officer, they thought they can get away with that. No, right. no, you do not get to do that to me. You do not get to do that to my mother. And by extension, honestly. This university has also disrespected the memory of my father, who mm. also worked for that university. Wow. Oh yes. So Again, your, your I've roots got, run deep with that. I'm you telling age. you. Yeah. Michael Joseph Terry, mm-hmm. a a prime name, working with uh, information technology. Like it was his system that at, during my time at University of Houston, it was his system that was uh, helping the. Coover cards, the meal plans, how's like auxiliary services. They went to this man and he passed away from ALS. And he, I swear before you, as his body was deteriorating, he said, as long as I have control of my thumb, I can do my part for this university and take care of my family. Wow. That's important to hear for Black History Month for your dad. So this, so now you understand why this has been painful and why this has felt personal because They've come from my mother, they disrespected my father, and they have abandoned me. Right. And I'm only now receiving, you know, the follow-ups of, like, well, what can we do? Well, like, how can we help? Wow. So I'll let Benjamin Risk get in here, who once again is running for president at the University of Houston. So you could take it from here. Okay. And kind of, uh, which I can expound on first, more on uh, Dominique. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, uh, I kind of... First saw the article was a few days ago. I pop, popped up on Instagram. I saw what's going on here. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard about this. And then I thought, okay, this must have happened a few days ago. But then I saw November. Why? Why isn't this coming up now? Where was the attention of this before? And but a big champion of well, ironically, <laughs> you're, you're leaving, but so, someone who was really act, promoting this extensively was uh, Brandon Sanders. Like I. I got to give props to him. I wouldn't have found many, many other people wouldn't have found out about this. And it may not even gotten the Houston Chronicle without him constantly pushing for it. I agree. He hasn't been rewarded for it by, by any means until even just really recently. And like now people are, you know, 
giving him accolades or, mm-hmm. or you know, like saying like you're doing good. But like, he was like, the one that told me or made sure it was important that I felt my story was important. So absolutely, thank you and shout out to Brandon Sanders. Yeah, um, yeah, I reached out to him not too long ago, but uh, also it's just the fact that he he wasn't afraid of who to like. Let's say call out can be a bad word, but I mean he just said like, where where's your statement? What you're you're you watch over this. He he called out student government. He called out Renu Couture, mm-hmm. called out administration. He even tagged just just any anyone and everyone who's like like this is usually your job to, to report on this. He talked. I think on some tags I saw Joshua Martin, the current president, called out mm-hmm. uh, just student government in general, Renu Couture, admins, and some other uh, figures that are supposed to be on top of this have something to reconcile for this, and there hasn't been much of a response. Um, However, I just ran into him recently. I, it was by accident, really, just in student <laughs> center. Just kind of said, like, you know, thank you for what you're doing. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I've been like, I've been doing my job. Like, like no one wanted to do it, but you know, like I'm about to get out of here anyway. So you know, I'll do my thing and then mm-hmm. get going from there. But uh, but yeah, it's it's very uh, it's it's kind of part of a trend of many many things at this university. I've noticed mm-hmm. over my time from experience I've heard from many students. Not even just this uh, this incident, but just many incidents in general, whether it be sexual assaults or lack oh, of yeah. academic resources or just accountability, especially on UHPD, to actually address many problems or have a process to to come to a conclusion that actually prevents something from happening again. Right. And there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of uncomfortable conversations to be had. There's a lot of... Uh, virtue signaling a lot of posturing that's getting in the way Word, of this yes and you know w- with the university of houston like i like i came uh you know my, my brother he's an optometrist now he went mm-hmm. he went to uh university of houston um kind of kind of the story of how many students uh come across university of houston maybe not necessarily the first pick not the last pick but a university that you know has a great culture of you know what we big culture we promote of diversity and inclusion but not seen in our administration, mm-hmm. not seen the rec- seen the receptiveness among the students, the acceptance, the promotion, uh, the advocacy for many issues, and for trying to uplift one another mm-hmm. at UH, but not seeing it reciprocated in return from the administration, and like uh, like I kind of think overall with how like in regards to the response right now from current admin, whether it was student government. Because, I mean, student government in, in regards to resolutions, like, like they can call out issues. They can raise awareness to issues. There hasn't been much of a response. There was, like, a last-minute email I saw was sent out or something kind of. <laughs> it looked seemed more like a cover-up, really, by the current president. Call a spade a spade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, for the most part, like my, like my uh, brother, uh, now, the, now, the now optometrist, like, he initially didn't have a – like it was a, a very steep hill to ride up. Like initially started out Lone Star, very low GPA. Mm-hmm. Like my dad was like dragging him by the ear, like, come on, you're, you're, like we're, we're gonna get you like, like t- time to grow up now. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, he eventually got to UHD and then finally got to UH and commuted the whole time. Uh, it's quite insane to me because I couldn't do that now. I, Ooh, I moved close That's now. my life no, right now, like, I get it, I yeah, get it. Yeah, it was like 45 minutes to an hour, like no. Same, no, yep, no. yes, okay, you understand. Yeah, so you're lo- <laughs> doing that for 10 years, man. No, no, I, you need a trophy, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, need a, I need a thick gas card is what I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but overall, just in terms of yes. address, 
whether it be the fact that UHPD and many administrators like to just put these under the rug so we can keep the image of UH pure mm -hmm. as if it's just this institution that lives up to its name of what it promotes, what it puts in the advertisements behind as compared to what's behind the veil, right. what's behind the closed doors. That that culture needs to go. You know, many many people, many groups of people like like to say, you know, like you're, you're bringing trouble and bringing attention to these issues. And like, no, the trouble's already there. It's right. just being shown now. But I, I kind of mentioned my brother overall, because uh, at least in terms of the culture of what UH ought to be and what it can be, what, what we're very close to achieving but have to keep fighting for every day, is that he, he showed me around UH many times when I was younger. Like I, uh, I was like fifth grade or sixth grade when he first brought me there. Many, many times yeah. I've been on campus, really saw the culture really saw, you know, how all the opinion, just, you're just there. I it just felt like I was home. I, I, ne I only applied to, I only applied to UT Austin. My dad told me, so like, you know, you never know who you get accepted by. I got capped, like whatever. I was going to UH anyways. Right. And I took one visit to A&M. I thought I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So no offense to my, uh, my Aggies. Li yeah. Listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So overall, you know, I, I come to this university, you know, like, wanting to do whatever I can to give back. It's just the city of Houston in general has done a lot for me. I was initially, I was actually born in Akron, Ohio. So mm -hmm. the Rust Belt for the most part. Uh, it's, a, it's a great place, but overall, I don't know how I would have turned out if I, if I had been, if I had stayed my way there. Right. Like I, like overall, there's a big op opioid crisis there. There's a, a lot going on in terms of just, you know, questioning the American dream, whether like what happened to it. Mm with the leaving of the industrial sector and just culture as well. You know, there's like a lot of, you could c really call it the jure segregation simply by wealth and status over there. I don't know how I would have turned out, but I kind of, I really am thankful, like in indebted to the city to have, to have moved here when I, in 2013, mm -hmm. uh, right around the time when you're actually in SGA, I believe. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> that was my last but, administration. Correct. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it's informed me on many issues and allowed me to create new experiences and, see new things I never would have thought possible. And I basically want to do whatever I can to give back to my brother, to Houston, to the city, and to this university, as it's done so much for me. I and see that in you, friend. I, see <laughs> I appreciate it. And ultimately, it starts with having these conversations. Right. So, Ben, as if you were the current president, right, and this situation was going on, what, what, what do you think would be your actionable steps? What, what do you think you would be doing right now? What, what to you looks like the right thing to do in response to a situation like this? Well, I would hope that I would have found out about it in November. Uh, I would have mm -hmm. been on it. Uh, now, I don't know how, how much the administration communicated at the time, but whatever case, whatever mechanism you can I can use or at my disposal to be able to find out about these situations as soon as possible, mm -hmm. especially in regards to UHPD as something that really needs to be improved in many regards to evaluating situations, uh, whether they be vi violent or sexual assault or, or any other uh, situation. Uh, I mean, just contacting, contacting the person. Mm -hmm. I, 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 you know, you haven't really been contacted till now, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, f whatever it may be, whether it be through Instagram or email or something like, hey, what happened? Tell me personally. Like, you, but before you can get down to logistics and saying, let's set up this, you know, set up this investigation here and there, just like talk to people, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, like you, ha you have to really, it's all about building connections, all about seeing your stories and getting perspectives. But 
especially on like now logistics side because you, mm -hmm. you can't just give a speech and say right. emotion and this and that you got to have a plan yeah. uh finding out the chain of command so you're saying a lot there's a lot of miscommunication with many departments why is there miscommunication with like could you expound on that more in terms of like which like did, have you learned a little bit uh, overall in terms of like which department or head of police was communicating with who in like it was the simple fact that even at the town hall that we had in the lobby of the, of the uh, school of theater and dance that I wasn't even, I was getting new information from the chief who himself was spitting information that wasn't even complete information. So even within his department, he was being misinformed, which meant I was being further misinformed. I found out at that town hall that they thought I had a gun. Wow. Only, to be, only to later be told that they thought it was a knife, that, that the recording actually said knife. So the chief misspoke in front of me mm -hmm. after I had to spend you know, all those months pretty much alone carrying this, saying maybe they thought it was a knife, like trying to justify, trying to help them out. Yeah. And to know that the picture only gets painted worse and worse by the amount of tea, like they're like, I don't know. Who had, who had known? Like, there's so much rumor that I can't even give those attention anymore because I don't know who to believe and who to trust. And that's a problem. Like, I want to believe in the higher-ups at the University of Houston. Like, I've worked with them. I still remember when Renu Couture handed me blueberry pancakes at Finals Mania. <laughs> wow. Seriously. I respected this person, revered this woman, loved telling her story. Yeah. And again, and again, the uh, the the school of theater, like the fact that it, again, like my graduate professors had my back and they've been protecting me, but the fact that the undergraduates are getting their uh, their bests months later, what happened in that break? What happened in that in the middle of that time? And did any correspondence further happen between the department and with um, the UHPD? And even then, I still don't have all the details of who spoke to the dean's office beforehand did it get to the dean of students did it even make its way up to um renucator's office i don't know and because i don't know my trust is minimal to answer your question i hope no that was a really good response you know like that that's the thing i mm -hmm. like this is sort of related not mm -hmm. not in response to your current situation, but many I'm sure in re, I'm sure you've been um, you've been heavily involved in the extracurriculars. Obviously, you many whether it be political through SGA or, mm -hmm. or through your acting career, just like planning events. For example, like I, I have to go to there's like three departments you have to manage between just getting an event and then getting a food permit. Mm -hmm. Like TSU doesn't have food permits for getting Domino's pizza. Like oh you might get maybe suspended for a year if you get violated three times really? for not having a proper food. No, you have to submit a proper food permit. It has to say the exact address you came from, exact food items, the flavors. If you don't do that, someone may come by, check, oh, they don't have the exact thing. Okay, that's a redaction. One, two more times, your, your org can't operate for a year with food. You know, like that's, that's something small, but the thing is also I'm going to cars to then schedule an event. I'm then going to UH get involved to schedule it. I'm then mm -hmm. getting rejected for one thing or another, having to redo the application. And then I have to go check with the fire marshal to see if, oh, if, uh, if, if I might, <laughs> so if I might go to jail for serving Domino's paper. Like it, so much red tape. That's as red as the UH. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my yeah. goodness. But uh, I just kind of say that to elaborate on a theme because I, I experienced red tape through political organizing last semester i was co-president of students for beto so 
I mm. learned a lot of it very quickly, like like a, like just trying to get do basic basic things. And uh, in regards to just like having like it, it almost seems like the, the university is designed in many manners uh, to. We've been telling y'all it's a system. To <laughs> it, yeah, to impede student organization, whether it be in addressing uh, the issue of of you know UHPD not just one responding reactively mm -hmm. rather than what's the right word methodically mm -hmm. about about how to handle situations about diffusing yeah Diffu that's the word i was looking for diffusion. earlier diffusion the the way that police officer ran that corner it it made it makes little sense to me how from the edge of that dumpster to the edge of that loading dock before I finally cocked his weapon that he couldn't see that what was in my hand was a sheet of paper. Mm -hmm. And to your earlier point, something else that I've been like just trying to hold on to because like I'm still going to class, still trying to go yeah. back to that traumatizing space because again, I graduate in May. I have a goal. I have things to do. I have work to finish. And it wasn't until the open forum that was originally supposed to be a uh, university held event under Dean Davis, which then got canceled and was supposed to be led by the students, which which then he was invited to. Yeah. It wasn't until then, when I finally heard someone bring up the point of my mental health, me and my scene partner's mental health, mm -hmm. because yeah. I am of the mind that if something like that happens to you, you should be sought out. Yeah. So I had to go after having another panic attack in class first thing in the morning, finally going to counseling on campus, which you know they charge. Dean yeah. didn't even know they charged. You, you didn't know that? He didn't oh, know. Oh, I've been, again, oh, I've yeah. been going there oh, yeah. on and off. How long? Yeah. I knew, I've known. And I know it's, I know it's yeah. cheap, it's like five, ten dollars, but still, well, it's At that the point, principle. just make it free. At, right, yeah. so we had you know, three days of uh, counseling services on site I'm like, after what happened like that, you you yeah. don't get just, you don't need just three days. Oh yeah, that's a big problem. And the fact that that was released after I saw help on my own, that's another problem. And I feel for the counseling and psychological services at the University of Houston, there's only 15, 20 of them for 48,000 plus students, yeah. right? Even they, when I go, to see them there is care there that's un that's of the understanding of this should not have taken this long they understand that this is something that you've been carrying this long and you have been in deep pain for a myriad of reasons aside from the fact that you could have been physically harmed and let me tell you something imagination that is that <laughs> your imagination can paint us so much visceral picture mm -hmm. than what really happens but it but your brain clocks every ounce of what's really happening in slow in a moment like that in slow motion right so there's now uh, there was a statement that i believe went out about how he like there wasn't a uh, weapon pulled out by the police officer now there wasn't or uh, I had a different weapon, or I someone saw, said that I may have had a 3D printed weapon, and I'm like, I, uh, 3D I, printed weapon. I'm like, how, how, how? <laughs> I get it. They don't know me, but you can look me up. You can see what I'm trying to do, at least. 
especially if I'm someone that has history with that place. And now my, I am worried for my craft. I'm worried for the momentum of my career because while I have new, a, a wave of support, it's been overwhelming in the best and worst ways, but I have support and I am questioning now my ability to deliver because I've been doing this work 10 years professionally with, in a good position making my way, paying my way, living a life off of sh doing Shakespeare. It is not often. You see people that look like me in the middle of nowhere, like Montana, um, doing Henry the Fourth Part One. It's not often you see someone like me in the middle of Nevada doing Merry Wives of Windsor or going to um, Cleveland, Boise, playing the Disney prince of Shakespeare characters, Ferdinand and the Tempest. You don't see people like me often doing that work. And I'm, and it, <clears throat> pardon my shakes. That's the reason why I like, why did I have to seek out my own mental health when I'm the one who like really needed it and it was not my fault when I did every single ounce of what I was supposed to be doing. And now how can I go back? to doing something that I loved, something that was paving my way. I don't know how to adapt to this new normal yet. I'm getting there. But the fact that it's something I have to carry and this was put on me, that should not be my responsibility, but I'm here to tell you, guess what, I've taken it on now because as Brandon Sanders said, who's gonna tell my story better than me? And also, my healing needs to be my prime focus, but change needs to happen, and it seems so no-brainer that if something like this happens on campus, swift action needs to be taken because yeah. these are aspiring young minds that are going to take the university's name forward. And the truth of the matter is, if something like that happens to one, it does happen to all of us. So if you take care of me, you are taking care of us all. I want my mind back and I wanna see some things change on the campus that I have grown to love even though it is proven that that university does not love me back. This is why I think it's so important to have you on and also for us, when I say us, I'm talking about African-Americans so to have our own platforms because the number one thing that you see when a case of police br brutality or police kills an unarmed black man is that they run straight to trying to run a smear campaign on mm. the dead person. Right. So really, you die like three times mm -hmm. as a black person. Right. Um, and so they try to kill you. They'll dig up some stuff from first grade and try to paint you as a person. What they try to do is they try to justify what happened. So they're right. like, oh, look what he did in eighth grade. He got arrested. He was in juvenile, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. what they try. They try to dehumanize you. Right. So it's important. You know, for me, I have my platform. Let you come on. Mm -hmm. And now people can see you as a human being and not as just another case of, oh, a black person complaining about 
police officers, right? right? So now they get to hear you as a human. They get to see, you know, hear about, you know, your mom being a police officer. They get to hear about your, the work that your dad did at U of H. They get to hear about the time that you put in at U of H. They get, get to hear about you being an aspiring actor. And now, you know, you have a complicated relationship with your with your passion now because it was tainted by what happened. So I think that's why it's important for us to have our own platforms that we can speak on and we can put out there um, and and paint the picture, the real picture. So in conclusion, uh, you do have a, a town hall meeting at Emancipation Park, right? Yes. Thursday. So tell us about that before we get out of here. Yes, it is a uh, event, <clears throat> pardon me, Mm-hmm. event that is being hosted by State Representative Jolanda Jones in, mm-hmm. uh, and is co-hosted by the Black Student Union, of which our current student body president, um, Joshua Martin, is a uh, executive member of. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be taking place in Emancipation Park at 5.30, February 9th, which is this coming Thursday. Uh, and there has been some um, hoopla as to why are we not having this on campus at the University of Houston. Well, we tried that. Mm-hmm. And many students outside of the uh, School of Theater and Dance have voiced that they don't even feel safe having an event like this on campus. And wow. this way, what Jolanda Jones is doing is making sure that not only can students be heard, maybe perhaps their families, but also the community, particularly also the theater community that mm-hmm. I am a part of and also other leaders um, that represent our district and represent our state possibly should be there to help us see the change that we can make. Right. Love that. So thank you for coming on, being vulnerable. I know it's, you know, it's hard for you to uh, have to relive these moments, you know, speaking. So I appreciate you um, coming on and sharing your story. Um, Benjamin, I hope, wish you great success in, in your, in your future endeavors with president. Hope you get it. And, you know, hopefully people listen to this and be like, man, I mean, this guy, you know, so he's good <laughs> because, you know, what you were saying, everything you said was, you know, brilliant, well-spoken, look like you, you know, you know what you're talking about. So that's good. And, uh, you know, hopefully the U of H, man, you hear your students. I mean, they, they're here, and, you know, they're here on the show and, you know, they, they, they only love, you know, it's kind of like exactly what, you know, I would say. You know, when people would say that, uh, you know, black people were not patriotic or they said it a lot when Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. was kneeling. But it was like, no, it's not. We don't criticize America because we hate it. We criticize it because we love it. And it's our right as it, well to and do so. Exactly. And it's our right. It's our home. So we're trying to make it better. Right. You know what I mean? So, the you know, the, the students are not talking against it's not even talking against U of H. It's just saying talking for themselves as a student body. Exactly. And things that they want to see promise. Right. Mm -hmm. They love the school. So they want to see the school be in a place that they think it should be, which you should welcome, I think. So thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the all that podcast, you know, patience to the story as it continues. And if you are a U of H alumni, which I know some of you are, or if you're a U of H yourself, or if you're just a Houstonian, period, or just a person, period, <laughs> you know, do your part in, in, in ensuring that these things don't continue to happen because the power is in the people. So with that, 
We are out. See you guys next week. Peace. Anointed portrait I might be. This is that all that podcast featuring Kyrie.